If you're our first-time guest with us today, we welcome you in and are glad you chose to worship with us today. I'd like to encourage you to stop back at our starting point desk in our atrium area and fill out a connection card, and that way we can get to know you a little bit better. We have a gift card just for you being here today. Now, if you're watching online, you can also fill out our online connection card, and that way we know you're watching. And also, if you have a prayer or a need that you need to let the church staff know, you can go online and fill that connection card out. Well, this morning I have a couple of mission opportunities that I would like to talk to you about. And the first one is our Lottie Moon Mission Christmas offering. And we just saw the video here just a few moments ago. Now, as Southern Baptists, we have set aside the month of December to collect for the Lottie Moon uh, Mission offering. Now, the unique thing about this mission offering is that 100% of your proceeds goes directly to the missionaries that are serving around the world, that are spreading the love and the gospel. They have been called and they are doing that, and that is one way that we can support them. Also, locally, we have a mission opportunity um, the months of December through March, and that is with our racetrack mission, missions. Now, I know you think, well, Turfway is no longer there. Um, how can we give to our uh, racetrack ministries? But we, we can. There are still people and families that are actually there for training and for taking care of the horses. Now, through our pastoral care uh, committee, they have agreed through each month, December through March, to just one night to provide those families with a hot meal. So we can monetarily use your money in December because we're going to be doing lasagnas. So instead of having all of you make lasagna and things to go with that meal. You can give to that, and we are going to provide them with one hot meal this month, and then we'll do that in the following months of January through March. So I had to stop and think for just a second. So as we continue um, to worship this morning, I'd love to lead us in a prayer before we begin to worship. Would you pray with me, please? Our most gracious God, we just come to you this morning with praise and adoration for who you are, God, because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, this morning I specifically want to lift up to you our international missionaries that are serving around the world, Lord. God, they have heard your call and they are answered that call. And we know that you will equip them with everything that they need. But God, give them comfort. Let them know that you are there. And we know that you're speaking through them and reaching to all ends of the world. And we thank you for that, God. And God, right now, this world seems like a really crazy place in our community. Just as things are just, we don't understand. But God, one thing we do understand is that you are there with us to give us comfort and hope. And you're holding us and seeing us through all of this that's going on. We lift up those this morning that are suffering with illness, loss, addiction, and God, we thank you especially for sending your son, Jesus Christ, that we can have eternal life if we accept that free gift of your love. Continue now as we worship you and lift your name on high and be with Pastor Harold as he brings the message that you've laid upon his heart today, God. Be with us as we sing praises to you. We love you and we thank you for who you are and thank you for loving us. We pray these things the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. We ask you to stand with us again uh, for this song. This is a, a newer song that Josh is going to lead us in. And uh, there's a line in the chorus here that's talking about I'm wide awake, uh, drawing close, stirred by grace. So that is our prayer for you guys this morning, that you're wide awake and, and just enjoying God's grace. 
So it's that time of year again where you're going to hear some Christmas music. So I hope everybody's ready for that. And uh, this is one of our favorites.
come today and we think about the, the night that you came the first time and what a night it was. And uh, this month we get to look back to the events surrounding your coming and Lord thank you that we have the gospels that record your life and your miracles, your teachings, the cross where you provided for our salvation and uh, we rejoice in that and as we think about your first coming, we long for you to come back, and we look forward to the day when you come in the clouds, and we are called up to meet you in the air. We recognize that not everyone is ready for that, and so we proclaim the gospel. We pray for our missionaries around the world that are doing that. We pray for uh, the gospel to go out here in this room this morning and, and online for people to hear the good news, and Lord, teach us some things today about your love and about your sacrifice for our sins. We pray that your spirit will open our eyes to see some things and, and uh, you will be even more glorious as we see what you have done for us. And uh, we pray for those in need. We pray for the sick, uh, those battling cancer and those battling COVID. And we lift them up to you. You're the great physician. And so we, we think about their names and we cast them upon you. And we know you care. And, uh, and so we need you, Lord. Lord, as a nation and as a world, we need you. We acknowledge that today, and we pray that, uh, that you would be strong and bring healing. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right. Well, I love the Christmas season, and uh, we're we're doing a series this Christmas called Reclaiming Christmas, and uh, we're going to be talking about what Christ accomplished uh, through His coming. And uh, why would he leave his glory in heaven and come to earth? And, and uh, why would he endure the suffering of the cross? Well, last Sunday night in our Hanging of the Green, we talked about the fact that he came to provide redemption uh, for sinners. And redemption has to do with the fact that, that we were enslaved to sin. Jesus said in, in uh, John 8, 34, if, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. Well, Jesus came to give his life to pay the ransom which was his life, to pay the ransom for our sins so that we could be freed from slavery to sin and to Satan. And so redemption was all about the, the pain of the price to, uh, to purchase us and to liberate us. This morning we're going to talk about uh, how Christ came to provide the propitiation for our sins. And uh, we'll talk about that word propitiation. Next week we're going to talk about justification. Uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we'll talk about forgiveness of sin, and uh, and then on our Christmas Eve service, we'll talk about uh, reconciliation, uh, how Christ provided a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so this morning, I'm going to start in 1 John chapter 4 uh, and talk about propitiation for sin. I'd love for you to stand for a moment, and uh, we'll read verses 7 through 12. Beloved, and this is John, the apostle, the one Jesus loved. He's speaking here, writing, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not, who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. May God bless His Word. You, you may be seated this morning, and we'll just dive right in here. John begins with this word, beloved. I, I like that, that he speaks to us as believers, as the beloved. Beloved, let us love one another. We, as soon as we get into this text, there's five words there that's really a sermon itself. Let us love one another. And we know as a church, we come together, young and old, uh, diverse backgrounds, differences of opinion sometimes, and yet we're brought together in Christ and we're to love each other like family. And I, I know I don't tell you all enough. Uh, I, I love you guys. And I'm blessed to, to be here with you serving as your pastor. And thank you for loving me and, and uh, for my wife and just for loving us. John specifies here that uh, for love is from God. And so the first point this morning is just that love is derived from God. And John says that so clearly. Love is from God. First uh, John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. And so our love for God and our love for each other comes from God's love for us. Love is derived from God. At the end of verse 8, it specifies that God is love. Again, it says it again in, in verse 16, God is love. And so love is the very essence and nature of God. He is love. Now, when I say that, I, I, I want to be a little bit careful. Uh, God is love does not equal uh, love is God. That, that's kind of some pantheistic thinking that, that all the forces in the universe equal God. Well, that's not the case. We, you know, we say grass is green, 
we don't mean green as grass. And so we say God is love. We, we, we would say that God, uh, love does not define God, but God defines love. God is love. Now this word love is the, the Greek word aguape, which we know is the supernatural love of God. And uh, it appears over 30 times in 1 John 4 and 5. And so if you take your Bible sometimes and look at those two chapters, you, if you underline love, you, you're going to keep underlining it. And sometimes John is referred to as the, the apostle of love. And uh, when we think about this love, this aguape, this love of God, it is a supernatural, selfless, sacrificial love that is derived from God. Now, God doesn't just say that He loves us. That'd be pretty easy. But God has shown His love for us. When we get down to verse 10, In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so this morning, I want us to grasp, uh, as we consider reclaiming Christmas, I want us to grasp, number two, that love was displayed by Jesus' propitiation for our sins. And, uh, and we're going to get down there in verse 10 and talk about propitiation. Before we get there, notice verse 9. In this the love of God was manifest, or, or the love of God was put on display among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. God sent His Son so that we might live through Him, and so God sent Jesus so that we might live. Now, we know that God has existed in the triune Godhead, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has existed in the Godhead for all of eternity, and He's never been lacking in anything. He, he wasn't lonely, uh, yet in His love, He decided to create man. And He gave us an account of that in the book of Genesis. And He created man and, and woman, Adam and Eve. He had them there in the garden. He walked with them. And, and we know shortly after that that man decided that uh, he would do it his way instead of God's way. Man chose sin over an abiding relationship with his Creator. And we call that the fall. And uh, Paul does a good summary of, of uh, explaining the effects of the fall in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. This is man's condition apart from Christ. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." And so uh, we were dead in our sins. Uh, we were by nature children of wrath. And yet God in His love and mercy sent His Son. And we could say that Jesus came on a divine rescue mission. Listen, we weren't looking for God. We weren't trying to fix the mess that sin brought to us. No, we were dead. We were living in rebellion against God. We were enemies of God. That, that's what the Scripture says. And verse 9 says that God sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In order that we might be saved and, and live in relationship with Him. And, and so John's talking about living in, in fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He, he's talking about walking as He walked and, and abiding in His Word and knowing the truth and having victory over sin and enjoying the abundant life in Christ. He sent Jesus that we might live. 
Now, we could spend a lot more time in verse 9, but I, I want to get to verse 10, one of the, I think, incredible verses in the Bible. In this is love. Church, this is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so I, I just want to unpack this verse. In this is love, not because we love God, but He loved us. And so God loved us before we loved Him. And really, even more than that, He, he loved us when we didn't love Him. Uh, God demonstrated His love by sending His Son. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows His love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. And so verse 9 says that God sent Jesus so that we might live. Verse 10 tells us that God sent Jesus that He might die. And so this verse uh, clearly shows us that God took the initiative in loving us. He sent His Son not to live, but to die. Jesus came with a mission, and His mission wasn't to, to live the easy life. It was to, to die on the cross for us. And, and it wasn't some ordinary death. It, it wasn't even the death of a martyr. It was the death of a Savior dying in our place and bearing the punishment that we deserve for our sins. And at the end of verse 10, He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so God sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. So last Sunday night, we talked about redemption. And most of us have a pretty good understanding of, of a ransom. Uh, someone's got us in captivity, and if we want to be freed, then somebody's got to pay a ransom. And, and so we were in cap captivity to sin, and Jesus came and gave himself as a ransom to free us and to liberate us from sin. And so we understand redemption and ransom. Uh, few of us probably understand this word propitiation. We don't use that word in, in normal conversation. Propitiation comes from the world of ancient religion. It was a word used to describe what worshipers would do or sacrifice to appease their gods. Uh, there was all kinds of gods out there. And, and people didn't know their gods. They didn't know how to please their gods. And they would try all kinds of things uh, to appease their gods. Sometimes they would offer sacrifices. Sometimes they would offer children sacrifices. and Sometimes they would cut themselves and, and they would do all kinds of other crazy things to uh, avoid the, the wrath of their God. And, uh, you know, in, in recent years, some have tried to, to water down this word, propitiation, because they, they say, well, we shouldn't think of God as a God of wrath. Well, you read the bo book of Romans and uh, you can't help but notice it. Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And so God has a true wrath against sin. James Montgomery Boyce said it like this, although the word propitiation means turning the wrath of God aside, in the biblical framework, this is never a case of mere human beings appeasing the divine wrath, but rather of God Himself satisfying His wrath through the death of His own Son, Jesus. And that's what propitiation is all about. It's about God Himself satisfying His holy wrath against sin. Folks, we can never appease the wrath of a holy God because we're sinners. And we continue to sin. 
But God solved our problem for us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who was fully God, who became fully man, and yet different from us in the fact that He was sinless. And yet He became sin for us. And He paid for our sin. He bore the Father's wrath against sin. He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made right with God. And so propitiation means that Jesus bore the wrath of God against sin. Now this word propitiation is a rich theological term. It appears four times in the New Testament and it's always in context to Jesus' death on the cross and our atonement. So let me show you these three other uses. Romans 3.25, whom God put forward as a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice, some translations put that, uh, by His blood, to be received by faith, This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. And so by His blood He was our propitiation. Hebrews 2.17 If you want to look back a few pages Hebrews 2.17 says Therefore He had to be made like His brothers in every respect. Jesus had to become like us so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And so Jesus had to leave His Godhead and become a man so that He could provide the propitiation for our sins. And then 1 John 2, 2, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for also for the sins of the whole world. And so if you want a definition, propitiation means to turn away the wrath of God by means of an offering or a sacrifice. To turn away the wrath of God by means of an offering or sacrifice. And so in Christ, God Himself made the satisfaction, the atonement, as He offered Himself in His Son. 2 Corinthians 5.19 In Christ... God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In Christ, God is bringing reconciliation, providing a propitiation. Now, propitiation teaches and emphasizes a few things. Uh, It it emphasizes that sin is serious to God. It might not be serious to us, but it's serious to God, and something has to be done about sin. Propitiation teaches us that God's holiness and His justice demands punishment for sin. And at the same time, propitiation shows us the vastness of God's love. God loves us so much that He provided the sacrifice, which was His Son, to turn away His own wrath. Propitiation teaches us that Christ's death on the cross satisfied the Father's wrath against sin, and it was accepted as a substitute for our sins. John Sott has a book called The the, the Cross of Christ, and he writes this, It is God Himself who is holy, who in holy wrath needs to be propitiated. God Himself who in holy love undertook to do the propitiation, and God Himself who in the person of His Son died for the propitiation of our sins. And so it was God's wrath, and it was God who provided the propitiation for us in His Son. Now listen, Scott says this, For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, 
The essence of our sin is us saying, uh, we know more than God and we'll do it our way. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Isn't that pretty awesome? We're the sinners and God substitutes for us. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be, which is on the throne. God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be, which is the cross. And so God deserves a throne and we deserve a cross and he switches that up and he takes the cross. Amazing thing what God does for us. And so propitiation teaches us that Jesus offered himself as an offering to turn away the wrath of God upon sinners. I found this quote from John Piper this week. I just love this. The wisdom of God has ordained a way for the love of God to deliver us from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. That's really good. I'm going to read it one more time just because I like it so much. The wisdom of God. I mean, this is a, a... Man, God is so wise. The wisdom of God has ordained a way for the love of God to deliver us, the sinners, from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. He doesn't compromise the justice because of the price is paid in Jesus. It's a perfect plan. And so we learn that love is derived from God. It is displayed by God. And number three, love is decreed by God. Back to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved, church, here's the decree. Let us love one another. And we find it again in verse 11. We also ought to love one another. So, verse 7, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. And so, our love is evidence of our salvation. Our love. Now, some people come sometimes and they, they have questions about their salvation sometimes they're doubting their salvations and and they say how do i know and and often they're looking for some type of feeling and where we ought to be looking to is the scriptures god isn't trying to confuse us about salvation so he gives us some things that we should look for to verify our salvation in verse 7 loving others gives evidence that we have been born of god If we are a child of God, if we have been born again, John 3, you must be born again. If we've been born again, then love should mark our new lives. We should love one another. Now, you might say, well, why is love for one another so important? Well, if you remember, I already said that God is love. And so if you've been saved, you have been brought into the family of God, and there ought to be some family resemblance. You look at your children and you probably see some resemblance. Well, if we're children of God, we ought to have some resemblance to our Father. I like how John Piper put this. Love is from God the way heat is from fire and the way light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into what He is. It's part of what it means to be God. The sun gives light because it is light. Fire gives heat because it is heat. And so we give love because... We've been born again of God. And so John is saying that part of the new birth of being born again means that his divine love has become part of who we are. 
Now, this agape love is a supernatural love. It's, it's not natural. So we must be born again to possess it. Now, I'm not saying that those who aren't saved don't have a love. But this agape, supernatural love, we must be born again to possess it. And so when you and I were born again, God imparts His love into us. And so we have Christ in us. We have the love of Christ in us. And that allows us to love the unlovable and to even love our enemies. So loving others is evidence that we're born again. And verse 7 says that we know God. Verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now some people know about God, but they don't know Him. They don't know Him personally. As believers, we testify of knowing God as Lord and Savior. And so John would say here in verse 7 and 8, if, if your life is not characterized by a God-like love, this aguape, this selfless, sacrificial, uh, supernatural love, if it's not characterized that even towards our enemies, then you don't know God and you haven't been born again. Now listen, the preacher didn't say that. The Bible says that. And you say, man, that's tough. How, where do you get that, preacher? Well, just, just the logic. God is love. We've seen that. Uh, those who have been born of God and know God are God's children. God's children will have God's nature. Therefore, God's children will love with a God-like love. And so let me ask you, if someone were to evaluate your love for others, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a born-again follower of Jesus. It's tough sometimes, isn't it? So love is evidence of our salvation. And then secondly, love is, His love is inspiration for our love. Notice verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, he says beloved again. He's not changing subjects here. I think he's trying to take us a little bit deeper. And so just to kind of paraphrase, if God so loved us and we know that he did, we just look to the cross and we see how much he loved us. If God so loved us, we ought to, out of gospel gratitude, we ought to love one another. I mean, think about this church. Church, we were dead and God sent his life, Jesus. We were in darkness and God sent his light, who is Jesus. We were in bondage to sin and God sent His ransom, who is Jesus. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So we can't keep saying, I just can't love that person. We can't ourselves. But if Christ is in us, we can. We are to live out who we are as born-again followers of Jesus who know God and who have experienced His love in such a magnificent way. Listen, God died for me. And our love for others, according to, to verse 12, brings, us, brings our love to perfection. And we'll get to that. Uh, so notice verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. And so you say, well, what does that mean? Well, no one has seen God up close and personal. Moses had a glimpse of God and Isaiah had a, a vision of, of Him on the throne and, and uh, John gets a glimpse in Revelation. But, uh, but back to what John Stott said, Christian love is evidence that the unseen God who was once revealed in His Son 
is now revealed in his people when they love one another. Now think about that. We have a God who has revealed himself to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And we have record of that. And now he wants to reveal himself through his people. And the way that he wants to reveal himself through us is by the way that we love one another. And so John says it five times, if you count in verses 12 through 16, and we, we didn't read through 16, but five times he says that our love for one another is proof that God abides in us. And so verse 12, his love, the, this aguape love is perfected. It, it is brought to maturity. It reaches its intended goal. And so church, the, the main point this morning is that Christ came to be a propitiation for our sins. And he offered himself to satisfy the Father's holy wrath towards sin. That's what Jesus did for us. And it's so important. I, I want you to understand that. But then I want us to recognize the application that the word has for us this morning. Listen, we can love others like God because he lives in us. And so we've got to stop making excuses for not loving others. And sadly... Christians are often accused of being unloving. And way too often, we're guilty as charged. And yet Jesus says in John 13, 35, By this all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how people know you're mine. You love others. And he said in Matthew 5, 44, that we're to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And we read that and we say, what? We're to love our enemies? We're to pray for those who are out to get us? Yes. And so we've seen this morning that His love, His sacrificial love inspires us to love others, even those who are hard to love. And secondly, God wants to bring His love to maturity in us. And church, it's one thing to talk about love, but it's something else to show love. And, and the God that we know and serve, He didn't just talk about loving us. No, He, he put His words into action by sending His Son Jesus came and died for our sins to make propitiation for our sins. And listen, church, there are all kinds of people out there wondering, asking sometimes, does anybody love me? Does anybody love me? And the good news of the gospel is a big, loud, yes, yes, you are loved by God. And they might say, well, how do I know? Listen, he sent his son. I mean, don't, don't miss 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent Jesus that we might live. He sent Jesus that the wrath of God might be satisfied. We think about John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so as we seek to reclaim Christmas, we want to be reminded of what Jesus accomplished for us in His coming. As sinners, we were living under the wrath of God and Jesus bore that wrath against sin. And so our challenge is this morning, uh, the first challenge is be saved by faith in Jesus and His sacrifice. Listen, you don't want to bear God's wrath against sin. That, that's what hell is all about. It's the just punishment for sin. You, you don't want to bear that. And you don't have to. 
Jesus invites you to be saved. The second challenge is for us as a church to take the good news and share it with the lost world that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. What a message. I think people would respond to that good news. Does anybody love me? Yes, God loves you so much that he would send his only son to die for you. And and the challenge this morning for believers is to love others like Jesus, even those who are your enemies, even those who may hate you. And so let me ask you this morning, are you up for the challenge? Let's pray. Father, you have put a spotlight on your love this morning. And we should be amazed by it. That you're a God of love and you're not, you don't just say it, but you sent Jesus to prove it. Your only son you sent to provide a way for us to live and to have an abundant life and to be saved and, and to have our sins forgiven and God, you have taken your love to the extreme on behalf of sinners. And you say for all eternity, I love you and I prove that love for you on the cross. And I pray that if there's a person here that's never turned from their sins and and believed upon Jesus, that that this might be the day where they, they realize how much you love them. And they come to Jesus and are saved and Lord for us as believers help us to love like like you love Lord forgive us of all the times we've made excuses and we've listed the reasons why we don't love and shouldn't love and, and yet you tell us to love you tell us that our love is evidence that we're saved that it's evidence that we've been born again it's evidence that we know you and, and so Father maybe there's some here this morning and they evaluate their love and They say, wow, I don't see love for others. Maybe I'm not born again. Maybe I don't know you. Maybe your love's not in me. Lord, if that's the case, I I pray your spirit would reveal that to to anyone who, who might not be saved. Your word is living and active this morning. Do your work, Lord. Through your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and and listen? Let me just ask you: Do you want to do you want to bear the wrath for your sins, or do you want Jesus to be the propitiation for your sins? Do you want to bear the wrath, or do you want Jesus to be your propitiation? You're invited to be saved this morning.
leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Awesome song. I gotta take this off, don't I? I thought something was a little muffled, but isn't that an awesome song? Oh, what a savior! I mean, don't you aren't you amazed that that he would come and die for sinners? If I don't amaze you, then uh, you need to pinch yourself and uh, get saved. And uh, I don't know. I mean, God would come to die for sinners, and uh, I'm just excited about our Christmas series just to be thinking about all that he did for us and accomplished for us, and uh, this morning, Tom and Tanya, come on down here, Tom and Tanya, uh, the Spillies, and many of you know them, uh, they've been coming for a while, they they came to our Next Steps class, and uh, they've even been coming on Wednesday nights, which I'm really excited about that, we, we do have a Wednesday night service downstairs at 6.30 and going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so I'll put in a little plug for that. But uh, I think the, maybe the first time y'all come was a Wednesday night, maybe. I don't know. Maybe the first time I met you. But anyway, uh, they they were he, here once upon a time, and uh, they're members at Florence Baptist Temple. 
and uh, they would like to uh, reunite with uh, Burlington Baptist. And so, would y'all praise the Lord to and welcome them back? I I told him I'd really like to do Tanya separate because I know that she would get uh, acclamation. I'm not sure about Tom, but uh, he's quite the cut up. Uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, obviously, we won't get you to come around, but uh, if you see them, welcome them. And uh, we're excited for, for them being a part of us. And uh, we're excited to see God at work, even in the midst of these difficult times. And so welcome to, to Burlington Baptist. And uh, I look forward to being your pastor. And, and these are your brothers and sisters. And uh, we want to love and serve you. And, and you serve alongside us. And so welcome. And uh Anyway, I just want to remind you that uh, out there on the desk are these uh, prayer guides for the uh, Rodney Moon Christmas offering and our international missionaries. We'll put a video each day on our Facebook page. If uh, you like to watch the videos, there's three or four minutes about the particular ones. Today's Kenya. Uh, but we'll put that on there and uh, you can watch it, see what God's doing around the world. Uh, you can pray for the needs there and uh, you can give. And again, our go is 20,000, and uh, I think it's a God-sized go, uh, but I think God can, uh, through us, uh, we can reach that go. And I mentioned on the phone call yesterday, I, I look forward to January when we can celebrate giving $20,000 to support our missionaries. And so uh, please give sacrificially. Uh, please join us in prayer this week uh, as we pray for them. And uh, Danny, do you have anything else? Just a dollar club on the way out, the clear boxes, getting to be Christmas time, so uh, that is getting... Uh, some some good use All and right. just other than that um if, this is just for me if anybody's got any coats just just a coat here or there that they want to give to me to throw i usually keep some in the back of my truck so if you've got some that you can't you can't fit anymore because you got too skinny over the summer i will take i'll take a couple of them i'll take a couple of them so, and i'm gonna pray us out of here all right to pray for uh the missionaries in kenya today i will do it would, i will do it be awesome. lord we just thank you for this opportunity uh to, to come into your house and worship and listen to your word, Lord, around Christmas time and the Advent season. Lord, we're thankful for Tom and Tanya coming back to us, and we just, uh, we just want to rejoice with them um, coming back to our church, Lord. And we just want to bless and pray for all the missionaries and the people of Kenya, Lord, as they go out and they try to spread your gospel in a land that's, that's so much different than ours. Lord, help us here at home to be responsible to, to support that mission the best that we can do. Help us to go out this week and to be safe, Lord, with all of the things going on and, and the divisiveness in the country, Lord. We just want to just ask your umbrella of protection over us. Be with all those who are sick, Lord. Our list is, is growing by the day, so we just want to lift them up to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.